G'day, welcome to the Fasting Highway podcast. I'm Graham Curry, your host from Perth, Australia. I lost 60 kilos or 132 pounds living an intermittent fasting lifestyle, and I successfully maintained that weight loss now, coming up two years. I wanted to bring this series of podcasts to you to give you an insight into what it's like to living an intermittent fasting lifestyle. I'm also the author of the book, The Fasting Highway, which is a story of my journey overcoming chronic addiction to fast food and sugar and taking that walk from morbid obesity to normality. So sit back here with us on the Fasting Highway in the next few weeks and listen to some inspiring guests and some experts in the intermittent fasting community. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the show. G'day. Welcome to the Fasting Highway podcast. And this is episode 98. So today I'm delighted to be joined by Neva Warnock. And Neva works as a realtor. And she lives near Dallas in the Fort Worth area in Texas in the United States. And Neva describes herself as a recovering crazy cat woman and also as a fiend for architecture. And Neva's had a few battles with weight in her life and a few trials and tribulations. And she's tried quite a few things with mixed success, losing, gaining, losing, gaining, that sort of thing. And now she's found her way to intermittent fasting and she's here today to relay her amazing start to it. So here to tell us all about it is Neva. Oh, g'day Neva and welcome to the Fasting Highway and thank you so much for joining me today. My absolute pleasure. Glad to be here, Graham. Oh, I'm glad to have you here too. So we might start off with a bit of your backstory, if you don't mind, for people that don't know you around the world, Neva, and any problems you had with weight and health in your life and a path that led you up to finding intermittent fasting? Oh, sure. Yeah, well, since I guess since I was around eight years old, the, the pediatrician thought I had some weight issues. He gave my mom a little stoplight chart, red foods, yellow foods, green foods. I can distinctly remember seeing chocolate in the red category and thinking, well, that's never going to work. Um, and then, so later on, I, I tried different things, but I got to the morbidly obese category. I was over 300 pounds two or three times in my life. Um, I, I tell people, I felt like I was dancing along the cliff of type two diabetes. Uh, my LDL was pretty high. Uh, glucose was above a hundred, like anywhere from 102 to 116, which isn't into the diabetic range, but you know, it was creeping up there. I'd get heat exhaustion in minutes if I tried to do much of anything outside. Um, I, I can remember talking to a doctor some years back about that, and I got it a little better for a while, getting off of sodas and getting more fluids, but, you know. Um, and then there are, like, annoying things like straining your rotator cuff by pushing yourself out of v- seats, that sort of thing. So, yeah, that's that's sort of the stuff I, I dealt with. Yeah, and so how did you find your path to intermittent fasting? So I'm not the person who had a sudden realization of needing change. I was frantic for years to find something. I, I, was, I was desperate. I had a doctor, I don't know, 2017 maybe, who said, you need to lose weight, and 
Grandma didn't quite yell at her, but I was like, I know that. Give me something that helps, you know? It was, I was so frustrated. And I, I guess something I want to say to other folks is if, if you're feeling some anger related to this whole situation, I think that's pretty understandable. Um, I, I was not a happy camper and, and I, was, I was tired and I was mad. Um, I, I tried to do what I was supposed to do and it, it just flat didn't work. You know, it's like telling somebody with poison ivy, just don't scratch it. I, I was so frustrated. Well, I, I tried the, you know, the whole deal with the plan and the meetings and the weigh-ins. That was just awful. Around 1989, I was over 300 pounds and I decided to try that competitor of the thing, uh, that Oprah did, you know, the whole diet shakes bars kind of thing, which was supposed to be a fast. Um, well, it kind of worked. I lost a hundred pounds over the next year, but even towards the end of that, you know, it was like watching the avalanche coming towards you. I was craving flavor. I was craving food. And I looked at the, the doctor who I was doing it with. And I said, so what, what am I doing when I get off of this? And she's like, well, you're going to eat less. And I'm like, if that had worked before, I wouldn't have had the problem. So I, that was sort of the challenge there. Um, I, it, it, I don't know. So I went to, I, but it did tell me one thing. I did learn that my, at that point, my body was willing to let go of the weight if I, if I could find the right thing. And I think it might've taught my body about doing the metabolic switch to burning fat. There was a conversation on the intermittent fasting podcast and Melanie mentioned that they think that it may be something your body kind of only has to learn once. And it makes me suspect that that's when it became a thing my body could do. Well, 19, I gained it all back. I don't think it took a year. You know, 1999, I tried Fenfen, right? The uh, the weight loss drug that damaged people's hearts. I got lucky. It didn't damage mine. I do remember one takeaway from that was it was my first experience of, of, an, of having appetite correction. I can remember very distinctly going, oh, this is why people can stop eating because there was just this done feeling, right? So that was interesting. Um, let's see, around coming, I don't know, late, I don't know, 20, 2009 or so, I tried another big name plan with a counselor. I gained weight on that darn thing. Um, 2010, I was desperate enough that I went back to that fasting diet. I was just desperate, you know? I lost a chunk. I got down to about 210. Um all came back on within four years, five years. So about every 10 years, I'd try something desperate. I didn't truly, you know, roller coaster because I wasn't trying everything that came, but it was just when I got to that point, I'd try to find something. So come up to around 2020, I was fairly new into real estate. Um, it's July, August, 100 degrees here. And I'm showing houses. And I got back in my car after a day of this and I sat there and thought, you know, can I really do this job? Can I be a realtor or I am I physically unable to do this? And I had zero idea of how to fix it. Um, I was starting to find 
for fast forward to 2021, I was back in this thing that's been true all my life of feeling miserable eating breakfast. It making me kind of queasy. And I got to the point of, I saw on Facebook in 2020, two friends mentioned intermittent fasting. I caught it two, three times. You know, the Facebook algorithm, who knows when you're going to see something. One of them explained it to me at a high level in person. And you know, I was like, that's crazy. (laughs) That's just crazy. And then on, I went back and looked it up. My friend Kathy did a post on January 27th of 2021. And she said that this was her last post about intermittent fasting because it's just the way she lives now. She said she'd lost over 50 pounds in a year. And she went on and talked about how she had been forcing herself to eat all the multiple small meals daily. And she posted before and after pictures and she listed resources. Delay, Don't Deny, Fast, Feast, Repeat, several other books. She gave the links to the Facebook groups. She even mentioned the clean fast. It stopped me in my tracks. I thought, I mean, honestly, my first thought was, wait, I don't have to eat breakfast? (laughs) Yay. Um, I'm in. So I I was, that that would have sold me maybe by itself. Um, I listened to the second episode of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. On February 8th, I went over and I looked in in Amazon. I pulled over on the side of the road and I downloaded Audible and I downloaded Fast Feast Repeat and I plowed through that at one and a half speed. I started fasting that day. That's how you got there. That's fantastic. So you you had a life where you've lost weight, you've regained it, you've lost it, you've regained it, you've tried all these various things. the various plans, the Oprah thing, all those sorts of things. And then you've come to fasting, you've found it through your friend, you got hold of the fast fish repeat, you've read that, you started. So let's talk about when you did start. Can you remember what your stats were? Do you mind sharing what your weight was at that point? Yep. I mean, I think that's a badge of honor, right? We all sort of trap that and hold on to that. Um, I was at 284 pounds. I'm five foot seven. Well, I was five foot nine, but I've I seem to be losing ground there. Um, and just for the record, I'm 62 years old now. Yeah. So you're for Australian listeners there, you're up over the 100 kilo mark, sort of 110, something like that. And um, when you started, what was your protocol and how did you choose that, Diva? How did you work that out? Well, gin. <laughs> Fast feast repeat. I said, okay. 16-8 it is. Since I didn't want to eat breakfast, that was a pretty easy call. And I took her, um, her took her information to heart where she said that most women need like a four to six hour window to see a good rate of loss. And so I figured I would target the five hour window. I backed it down roughly a half hour a week until I got to the five hour window. And the results were amazing. They really were. Now I will say, come, I'm a tweaker. All right. So about August, I'm going to use your phrasing. I I found I was making choices that didn't serve me very well in the middle of my window. I was basically doing too much snacking. So I tried moving my meal earlier in my window. It it just moved the problem. (laughs) So I, 
I realized I was really likely to start craving carbs as it gets colder here, and I was going to slow down my rate of loss anyway, so I decided to try a shorter eating window and see what that did for me. I got to say, September was amazing. It was my second highest amount of loss in a month with a about a two-hour eating window is what it's more or less settled into. Yeah, so where are you at now, Neva? You've been doing this for several months now. Weight-wise? Yeah. Or, yeah, I'm yeah, right. at 197 and change. Wow, that's amazing. It's like 87 <laughs> pounds in a very short period of time. And so what are sort of some of the things that have come through that? We talk about the non-scale victories and the health benefits. Are you starting to see them as well? I am. I, I will say since I've really probably got another 45 pounds to go, I'm expecting to see more, right? Just to be because I want them. <laughs> but health-wise, my glucose is well under 100 now. Um, actually, my LDL is still running a little high, and I'll be seeing in the spring where that's gone. Blood pressure is back to totally normal. Um, so I oh, and I was I was out walking today, and I thought, yeah, I know I can walk a lot faster and a lot further now than I could. So yeah, yeah. it's coming. Yeah, it's an amazing feeling, isn't it? And so let's just circle back to when you started in that window. Were you a person that was eating all the things, or were there anything that you were delaying? I am delaying some things. I I really like okay, so I was lucky. I was I had long ago stopped eating fast food. That was not a thing for me. I was already kind of a food snob, but an awful sugar addict. Um, I had also stopped drinking sodas back when I was trying dealing with so much heat exhaustion. I the doctor recommended a um, something here. I don't know if you have it there. Propel to support being hydrated, and that stopped me drinking sodas. Not the ideal fix, but it was better than what I was doing. Okay, so that I came to it with that, and I was lucky on that. Um, I did start by eating all the things, including some really significant sugar binges. But around three to four weeks in, I realized how well IF was working for me. And I thought about those house showings the previous summer. And I thought, you know, what can I do to optimize my rate of loss while I'm on this steep part of the hill? And uh, so, you know, obviously clean fast is first. The second thing I did, and I was just lucky that it crossed my mind, but my body was kind of demanding it, was I added food. I added veggies, and I added good proteins and good fats. And I could even see at that point that it was going to help me because I knew what was coming was I needed to cut back on carbs at least some. I didn't really make the distinction of the processed carbs yet at that point, Although now I think that's exactly the crux of it. So I started doing more protein. Next day I felt so much better. Okay, so then I decided let's see if I can do two days out of three lower carb. So maybe an avocado to open my window and then chicken breast and a bunch of roasted vegetables. And I felt good. I liked it. If I, and I lost real well doing it that way. Um, so that's where I was. And then 
March 23rd, somebody in the DDD group that's now archived said she was starting a 30-day sugar fast. I had never even considered doing one before. It was just, I couldn't get my head around it. This time, Graham, I won't kid you, it was like, I guess I should. I so didn't want to do it. Well, I started that. That's that's a story. It was it, it's its own story. It was a beating, as you know. But yeah, tell us, it, it tell us about me. that. I mean, you, okay. you took your reference there that you were a, a sugar addict and you had problems with sugar, and then this sugar fast you're talking about. Just step us through that. I was interested in how you actually stepped away from that sugar addict uh, phase of your life. Yeah. So that first that that thirty days, it was it. Uh, it sucked. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. Um, I white knuckled it all the way through. I cussed under my breath in the grocery store. It was so bad. I, oh, but I hadn't, I hadn't heard you talk about it, and I, I didn't have a put it away forever in my head. I couldn't even fathom that. And so, when my thirty days ended, April twentieth, well. I binged. All right. I got a bag of candy and it was a pound bag. I ate three quarters of it. That's just what I could do. I mean, back in the day, I'd eat a gallon of ice cream. I, it was nothing, I, you know, but here's the thing I, I need to share because I don't know if people even know this is a thing. This started a few years ago. I got to the point where after I would binge, about five hours later, I'd start with muscle spasms from my feet to my knees, both legs, front and back. I'd never heard of such a thing. I knew it wasn't like anything else I'd dealt with. So I did some Googling. And best thing I could figure out is it's the symptom of a glucose dump in my bloodstream. Um, I did that after that binge, after the 30-day sugar fast. And uh, by the way, there's no walking that cramp out. I just walked around my house in the middle of the night crying in pain for like 10, 15 minutes. And then I went back to bed. And, you know, the next day, like any good addict, I finished that bag of candy. And, but day three, I woke up and I got my coffee. And I said, well, guess I'm doing another bleep, bleep, 30 day sugar fast. Here's the thing. I got to about day 10 of that one. And it, I sort of looked around and went, oh my gosh, I forgot I was even doing this. It was so easy when I got to that second 30 days. I, I was flabbergasted. I just never crossed my mind it would be like that. So I feel like for me, my success with simply fasting, it gave me the courage to even try it. So I sort of have it the exact opposite from you. On, on the way I went at it. And so both can work. Yeah, I think so. And um, being an ex-sugar addict, as you know, and I'm really grateful that I actually got the sugar out of my system before I started intermittent fasting because I always say to people that I mentor and I help, and I say, look, if you've got a sugar addict or you've got an addiction, some type of addiction to fast food or whatever it may be, you need to get this out of your system before you start. Because starting a new philosophy of eating like intermittent fasting can be very challenging. And then if you add into it sugar addiction, food addiction, uh, you drink a lot of alcohol, 
all those things can be really hard to deal with. So I'd suggest to anybody, if you have a problem with sugar and you have a problem with fast food or anything like that or any other addiction type to foods, then just treat that first because you're going to find it really challenging. And I know you went into it because you probably didn't know any different at the time. Neither did I. I just went about it a different way. And do you think sugar addiction should be treated as a cold turkey? I mean, a lot of people say, oh, I'm going to cut down, I'm going to eat less. But I found unless I treated it as a cold turkey situation, I was never going to get on top of it. I, I think that stopping, let's say, overt sugars, candies, baked goods, has to be just a whole thing if that's if you're an addict. I, I think somebody else who's interacting with it differently, that's a whole different gig. I did find that I still can do something like a sweet potato now and again. That's not the same kind of trigger. Even some of the lower sugar fruits are not the same kind of trigger for me that the overt sugars are. So yeah, I like, I like getting it done. Yeah, and I think intermittent fasting not only helped with getting the weight off, but with the sugar addiction, it actually changes you from a person that's addicted to food and you learn more about moderation because you're eating in a smaller period of time. So you want to try and make that window as worthy as possible. And it's yeah. like I explain to people, well, you know, it's like having half a slice of cake or a slice of cake and not eating the whole cake. Is that the way you feel about it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I still find, I still struggle with that a little. If if dinner is, I've got this slab of salmon, when my appetite is full, it's hard still to stop, you know, but I'm working on it and it's improving. But yeah, the the moderation is totally, that's the piece I'm I'm still hoping to develop more. Yeah, well, it comes in time and you learn that. And you learn about moderation, you learn how to savor food and enjoy food, and you just move further and further away from that addictive type behavior. I mean, I've never had a sugar binge in the last two or three years at all. Um, I haven't even felt like it, to be honest. And now, like you mentioned there, when you ate that sugar binge and then you had those leg cramps and that, and I know if I do eat something that's really sweet, I tend to feel not too great. So yeah. that even sort of reinforces why I don't eat it. And I... I go into a bakery to buy some bread or something like that. And I look at the counter with all the sugary sort of cakes and slices and everything that I used to devour in, a, in massive quantities. And now I look at it and I visualize it just as a big pile of sugar. That's all I see. I don't know if you have that feeling. I haven't, but I will be using that mental imagery now. That's, that's powerful. Yeah, it is. And I mean, I don't know if you've seen a movie called That Sugar Film by an Australian filmmaker called Damien Garneau. Absolutely fantastic. And I recommend anybody that has an issue with uh, sugar to watch That Sugar Film. It's called That Sugar Film. Um, this is a guy who was a healthy guy and he decided that he was going to eat all these foods that were high in sugar to see what impact it had on his body. A, normally, a normal, healthy, fit young man. And over a period of six months, he just crammed himself with all these high sugar foods. And he actually got to the stage where he was eating the actual sugar content as in the teaspoons, like he'd get a teaspoon if it said 10 teaspoons in a can of Coke, he'd eat the 10 teaspoons of sugar. And you watch it visually, you just go, wow, there's no way. And I remember I used yeah. to drink six, eight cans of Coke a day. And I was thinking, well, I'm, that's 80 teaspoons of sugar. And so it really Man. helped me um, in my addiction phase. And I, I had to smile when you were talking about the, the grumpiness of going to the 
grocery store and swearing under your breath and all that sort of thing. And I can tell you, I actually ended up spending two days in bed with the doona over my head when I was withdrawing from my sugar addictions. And it was that crazy. And I I can really resonate with you. And it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's and honestly, since I've been doing it in these 30 day segments and I may get to the point of just stopping, but I I had I went on a binge at Halloween. I had candy to hand out. And it caught me by surprise. Well, that's just something. It w- I didn't think of it as candy when I bought it. And yeah, it's processed candy. So it was Turkish delight in, in a, from a neat little Jordanian grocer I have here. And I thought, oh, this will be something different for the kids. Yeah, well, <laughs> learn that one again. <laughs> so, it, you know, it's not an immediate thing, but... No, it's, it's a work in progress. And I mean, you know, you're relatively still fairly new to the whole process. And I mean, what you've done already has been amazing. So I guess by the time you're up to where I am, I'm going into my fifth year next year, you'll have this totally under control. I can see that mindset that you've got. And speaking of which, being a realtor, selling houses, that sort of thing, um, obviously you have to have a really clear mind. Has losing this weight helped you in your job? Yeah, I mean... First off, the actual physicality of it. Showing the houses this summer was no problem. It, it was a breeze. We Okay, we didn't have as hot a summer as we did last year, but it was still pretty mild and pretty straightforward to do that. Um, and then, you know, you're not done then. You, you hoof it back to your computer and you're writing up contracts and you have to be thinking about how to position it that is adequate to win the offer, but that gives your client protection, um, all of that, you know, both sides of the equation. We do, we both support buyers and sellers here. And so you're, you're always looking at it from both sides, trying to sort of play chess. And it's definitely been helpful in the mental clarity and the energy that you just need to throw at it. Yeah, I can imagine in America, there's a lot of two-story homes where you're running up and down stairs, that sort of thing, showing homes. But also the fact, do you feel more confident in talking to people that you're 100 pounds nearly less than what you were? I guess I'm not all that aware of that being a visual difference yet for someone else. I'm certainly aware of it letting me select different clothes and different aspects like that. Uh, it is interesting for me to to meet people and know that they've never seen me at my highest. That's something that's um, just sort of, huh, isn't that interesting? They don't know that version of me. But Graham, one thing with me, my personality is very strong. I'm kind of loud. And that's not different. I started to say big and loud. Uh, not as big as I was. But, you know, I'm I've been that way since I was in my 20s, and that's not different. Um, So I sort of blew past my weight in terms of how people interacted with me to a large degree. Yeah, so you're a confident person when you were bigger than, and you're a confident person now. It hasn't really changed that much. But it is great to have been able to have that selection of clothes. And obviously in your job, you have to look smart and that sort of thing. But I noticed in the photos that you sent me, you, you tend to be hiding behind one of those four sale signs. Was there a reason for that, that you were worried about your image? 
Well, it, that was, that was interesting. Yeah, that was um, last fall. So I had not started losing and yeah, I was definitely just aware that I was as big as the blasted sign. And so trying to sort of minimize that visual. Uh, yeah, that was definitely a factor there. I mean, you started both these things, a, a new career and a um, weight loss sort of journey with intermittent fasting in the middle of a pandemic raging. Um, you guys were really affected there. How did you find the stress around that? How did you deal with that? I'm someone for whom this worked out better than I had any right to expect. I prior to I got my license in 2018, and I was actually a, a techie, and uh, so I actually worked as a techie until the pandemic shut us down in early 2020. Gosh, I've got to stop and think of I've got my dates right. Yes, um, and. I was doing real estate part-time in that window until then. And March 23rd, that job ended because of the pandemic. And I looked around and went, well, now what? Guess I'm going to take a stab at full-time real estate here. And so I went off with that. Yeah, it was stressful, but I was lucky to have at least a little business to support that. Um, and some savings. So I, I pushed along with that pretty well. And then I must say that when I started IF, we still were fairly locked down. And that was probably to my advantage. I'm single and I'm very social. And socializing is important to my work. But it put a limit on it. And that facilitated me staying focused on intermittent fasting. No question about it. Oh, that's fantastic. So let's get back to the fasting for a minute. So mm -hmm. when was it you got to a point where you started this fasting journey and you thought to yourself, wow, there's something really in this. This is so different to what I've ever done before. And when did you get to that point where you thought to yourself, you know what, this is something I'm going to continue for a very long time? About two weeks in, I was sold fast. It was, I, I had a three-day window initially. Okay, Let's see if I like have migraine after migraine. Let's see how bad it feels. Um, third day, a little bit of a headache, but not a migraine. Did the salt thing, gone in 30 minutes. And I went, well, alrighty, so much for that. Okay. Now, over the course of these two weeks, let's see if the not eating thing is going to drive me nuts. It was before the two weeks were up. I not only knew it was not going to drive me nuts, I was 100% in. I'd never seen anything be like this for me. The thing that caught my attention, that just astonished me, was that I, the compulsion to eat, the eating compulsion was gone. In the morning, before I started, before I broke my fast, gone. Like looking around going, it fell. Where did it go? It was the weirdest thing. I was like, is this all I had to do all these years to stop it? Now, I got compulsive when I started eating, you know, like a lot of us do early on. But I was sold then and there. I, I, you're going, I've got a story for you. It's kind of an NSV. And I meant, I, I was thinking of it in a different order, but I'm going to jump in and tell it because this is how it went. I have neighbors down the street, Glenda and Dave. They're in their 70s. 
Glenda's a retired nurse and a type two diabetic. All right. So I was visiting with them before I started and I said, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do a 16, eight. And they've tried different things over the years. And Glenda is not a fan of this idea really, because you know, fasting sounds weird to a nurse. A lot of times her husband said, 16, eight, I can do that. And he started boom, just like that. Okay. I didn't really realize he was full on board the same time I was, but he did. It was maybe a month in when I found out that when he would stop eating at 8 PM, Glenda felt like it was rude to continue eating and she'd stop eating too. Graham, that little bit took her off of diabetes medication. Talk about knock-on effect. I was, I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I, I was, it, it just, the, everything about it is amazing to me. And, and I'm to the point of being nearly belligerent. I mean, if like with a doctor, don't argue with me. <laughs> I know what I know. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, seeing is believing and how you feel with inside. I mean, when somebody says to you, oh, intermittent fasting, that's really bad for you. And I say to them, well, you know what? So is carrying around 350 pounds, mate. Is not eating lunch or breakfast bad for you? Has anyone ever died from that? Come on. You know, it's people have to say yep. some crazy things. But having said that, when I first did hear about intermittent fasting, my initial reaction, as I wrote in my book, The Fasting Highway, I said to myself, those people are crazy. They're nuts. Who does that? What sort of weirdos do that? Are they some sort of cult or what? And then the more I looked into it, I thought, well, you know what? This actually doesn't sound too bad because when I thought about it, I thought, well, I actually already fast because when I go to bed at night and I wake up in the morning, I've been in a fasted state for that eight hours or how long I've been asleep. And then I get up and I'd eat all day, every day. But then I thought, all I have to do is push that back a bit further, delay into a day what yep. time I actually eat. And for most people, I say to them, look, when you start, do the 16 and 8, just skip breakfast and start off at lunch and work up from there. And I found that really easy. You mentioned there that you tweak a lot with your fasting. Um, just explain that. And also, have you done any extended fasting? Um, tweaking has for me so far been trying different times, trying different lengths mostly. And then you know how it is. Our bodies are better able to tell us what they think of what we ate the day before, especially. And so one day I opened my fast with roasted peanuts and my body let me know very loudly the next day that that was either the wrong thing or way too many. And don't do that again. <laughs> so that kind of tweaking, um, extended fasts. So I've done two mealless Mondays. I'm backing off of those for a while. I like the day that I fast and the day after is fine, but I found myself prone to wanting to overeat for a couple more days after that. So since I'm losing well without that, I'm, I'm going to just stay with my daily eating window. Yeah, I'm the same. I know I really enjoy eating daily as well. I think that's a big thing for me. And I tried, I did one 36-hour fast once way back when, um, purely by accident, really. I got home late and I couldn't be bothered and I went to bed. And then I thought to myself, well, I didn't really feel that great about it. You know, I just want to eat once a day. I mean, that's as far as I want to go. But I want to talk to you about weighing too. Is weighing something that you do? Do you weigh yourself? 
I might be a little OCD on weighing. Um, somebody asked in the group about apps, and I said I um, plugged my weight into about five of them. <laughs> I'm Well, I was a techie. I like playing with it. And I feel like for me that typing that number in over and over again is like solidifying it, making it real for me. Um, and so I, I do that. Yeah, I, da I weigh daily. Um, I use the happy scale. I lean on its averaging, but so far, you know, I got nothing but joy looking at the scale. I'm sure the day's coming. <laughs> it's not always down, but I, I know what I ate and I understand it. And it's like, okay, well now I'm motivated to, to make sure I'm do clean today and in my window so that I keep going the way I want to go. Yeah, I found the scale a really great tool to help, to help me identify trigger foods, especially um, when I was losing the weight. And it sort of taught me about what weights were sort of, what foods, sorry, were reacting to my body. Like bread, for mm -hmm. instance, right? If I had a lot of bread the day, night before, say I had two bread rolls or something like that, I'd know that my weight would be up. And I know now, yeah. I, I actually, before I even go to the scales, I can lay in bed in the morning and I can feel my body. And I can walk to the scales almost 99% knowing which way they're going to go because I'm just in tune with my body now. And I think you find that. Have you found that you're getting more in tune with your body as well? Not to that degree. I look forward to that. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I am in terms of listening to it. And, and yeah, it is definitely coming. Something, have you run into this thing about so I started taking magnesium, as many of us do, to support regularity and to support sleep and to help muscle aches, all that jazz. And I was going along doing that, and a couple months into it, I went, well, that's interesting. I don't crave chocolate anymore. I was a pretty monster chocolate craver. Come to find out, I had I heard here not too long ago that um, magnesium deficiency is associated with chocolate cravings. I had no idea. I thought that was fascinating. Um, but yeah, so magnesium, I had to back it down a little. I was getting a little too much. And so, yeah, I've been starting, I could see by I, a, a certain kind of cramp I was having. And as soon as I backed it down, the cramp stopped. I thought that was kind of crazy that I could figure that out. Yeah, it could have been a chocolate thing too, about that sort of moving away from that addictive behavior with sugar too. That could be involved in that. But yeah, right. that's, a, that's a great thing. But also you mentioned there briefly before about you experienced appetite correction once before and some of these other things you were doing. But what about now? How long did it sort of take you with intermittent fasting to find that appetite correction? And just explain to people that may not know what that is. So we generally talk about appetite correction as being something that where our body starts being able to tell us when we've had enough. Um, and I told a number of people over the last 10 years or so that I have no off switch. That was pretty accurate. Um, I can, it was about three weeks in. I will say it comes and goes for me a bit. And I th still think there's more for us to learn about what impacts it. Um, but in March, I started getting some very clear, that is enough kind of results. Now, I've had a period over the summer where it's not been as loud as that. 
I do think it has gotten louder since I shortened my window. I do wonder if perhaps um, processed carbs are something that kill it, throw it out of whack. I have a suspicion there are certain food items that make that suppress it, but I don't know specifics about that. Yeah, and it's also we talk about hunger as well, and I think it's a learning process between true hunger and that sort of belly hunger and that sort of thing. You've you've got to ascertain as which one it is. Is it mental or is it sort of physical hunger? Because mental hunger is when you walk past a bakery or you smell something, you go, oh, my God, I'm so hungry. But you're not actually. That's just a mental thing. You have a big glass of water or you do something else. You ring a friend or you sell a house. And next thing you just forget about it, you're not hungry at all. And then there's that hunger where it just nags away at you and you just don't feel right. You may even get a bit shaky or you just feel a bit unsteady or you don't feel right. And that's when you really got to listen to your body and open your window a bit early and your body wants to eat. Have you found any of those sort of differences with hunger? Absolutely. I, at one point, I had a whole list in my head of different kinds of hungers, but but it really does boil down to the two. I mean, there's also, I think, mouth hunger. It just tastes good. You know, that, I mean, what do you call that? But yeah, it, it's, it's a really big difference and it becomes glaringly obvious. Um, hey, if two, three grains of salt make it stop, guess what? It wasn't hunger. And that whole stomach growling thing is doesn't bother me at all anymore. It's like, you just do your deal. We'll talk later. <laughs> yeah. And since you started, have you ever had a day where you just thought, you know what? I'm not going to fast today. I'm just, I'm just having a day off. Have you ever done that? Or you just Zero. talk to your fast? Zero. I, it's interesting to me. Well, partly because not having to eat has been a win from my perspective from day one. Have I opened it earlier? Yeah. And I don't even mind a bit, you know, have I eaten things during that I wished I hadn't later? Yeah, but no, fasting is a 100% joy to me. If somebody told me I had to stop, we'd have a fight on our hands. There, no. (laughs) Yeah, you know what I really love about fasting is you get to the point where you just forget you're even fasting, right? We, yep. have a, we have a really great member in our group. Big shout out to Eddie Friedman. Uh, Eddie lives in New York. And Eddie wrote a piece about forget your fast. Well, you basically wake up in the morning, you just go about your day. You don't even think you're fasting. And then you just have your meal at the end of the day and that's it. And then you repeat the next day. And that's the stage I'm at now. I don't wake up in the morning and think, oh my God, I'm fasting. I just go, I wake up and I go about my day. So I can imagine a busy person like you that's a realtor selling houses and that sort of thing. You get up and you have to answer emails and you look at sales trends and all that sort of thing. It actually must be quite good that you don't have to think about food in that process. It's awesome. It's what I've, I've gone to a number of events. Um, One of the things I'm into is bluegrass. Even aside from the real estate, I go to a bluegrass festival and I didn't have to mess with any of the vendor food. (laughs) It's like I saved all this time messing with lines, spending the money, eating something I knew wasn't very good and just enjoyed the heck out of the show. It was that was cool. Same sort of thing with the real estate. I can go to events. I can hang out with people, take them around to shows to to showings. And we're just it's it's a no brainer for me. There's, there's no problem. Yeah, that's great. You know, I went to the movies the other day, right? First time in two years. And I sat there with my black coffee and my bottle of sparkly water. 
And I had to laugh because going back to the day when I used, when I was obese, I'd go to the movies. Well, sometimes I didn't go to the movies because I was worried about breaking the chairs, but that was another story. And um, I would buy like the giant popcorns, the big Cokes, you know, two a couple of ice creams during the show. And Quiet. sitting there the other day with a black coffee and a sparkling water, and I said to somebody at my office, I went to the movies, and they said, oh, did you get all the snacks and that? And I said, no. I said, and they said, what sort of weirdo goes to the movies and drinks black coffee and a bottle of sparkly water? And I said, we do. Intermittent fasting, yep. it's great. And I never even actually thought about that I didn't have the snacks. Isn't that funny how those things happen to you? It's it's just a change. I With the socializing, I've gotten, I've mastered lunch. It's, it's the darndest thing. I go. I, the first time I went in May to a networking lunch, their food, the smell of it, I think if it's grease, a lot of times that can catch and trigger hunger. Um, and they did, and I, I got lightheaded and I ate. And I was so mad because it wasn't even anything I like. So come June, I was like, okay, I still want to go to the lunch. Let's see. Oh, I know what I'll do. So I got there. And before I sat down, I said to the waitress, can you bring me a cup of coffee? She's sure. She brings my coffee. Never had a problem. And I, you know, the, the humor to me is I sit there and I feel a little sophisticated just drinking my coffee. It's, it's a neat feeling. I need to figure out how to do that at dinner so that I can go out as much as I would like to, both in terms of socializing and sometimes in terms of doing business. I need to get better at that piece. Yeah, I think with events and socials and conferences and those sorts of things, I always find that if I've got a drink in my hand, if it's water or whatever it may be, or coffee, nobody ever sort of comments, why aren't you going over there and eating all those snacks that are over there? And yep. um, I never feel like that. Like, I organize conferences for a living. And so I have to sort uh -oh. of always order, order the food and that sort of thing. And sometimes I'm tempted to order this healthy stuff. Then I know that's not what everybody wants, right? So I have to order the cakes and the, the biscuits and everything else. And then people stand there and they chew them all down. And I just go about my business and nobody ever comments to me. But speaking of commenting, have you ever had people give you any pushback about your lifestyle? Um, I have to say, my so I'm, I was already heavily involved in Facebook before I got into this. Um, and it's been amazingly supportive. Um there, I've had a few people reach out and say, can we do a phone call? I need to understand more about this. Um, I did have a very funny conversation with one of them, high school friend, and she said, oh, you must be so hungry. I, I just laughed. I said, hon, I'm finally burning some of this fuel I've been hauling around for decades. So no, I'm not hungry or eating too little. I'm in good shape. And I've used that line a few times now because the humor kind of changes the tone and they get it. They're like, oh, okay, yeah. You know, and so that I did set up a little Facebook group because I was answering the same questions over and over. So the people who know me and a couple of them really had started and I tried to get them to go to your group or one of the DDD groups and they just didn't want groups that large. So we've got about 65 people and uh, a lot of them are riding shotgun. They've not jumped in, but that's okay. You know, the, for those of us who are doing it actively, they hear, they get to watch us discuss the pros and cons or what was a challenge or gosh, it didn't go very well. I've lost, I've gained back what I lost. Um, and, you know, so that's, 
that's been helpful in terms of support and, and sort of having somewhere to blather when we need to. Yeah, I think that's important. And some people find support in all sorts of places. And not everybody's on Facebook, right? Not everybody's on Instagram. Like I have a lot of people contact me and they say, hey, listen, Graham, I'm not on social media. We know of you. We read your book. We listen to your podcast, that sort of thing. But how can we get some help? You know, like, can you mentor us or can you coach us? And I say, well, I'm not a, at the moment, I don't do that because I have two day jobs that keep me pretty busy, right? <laughs> but it is a passion that I, I would love to share um, in my life. And I'm at a crossroads with that now, deciding what I'm going to do about it all. But yeah, I think that's really important that people have to find that niche. And when you were going through this phase and you were using the Facebook groups, how important was that support for you? Absolutely critical. Um, the I, There were days when I was early on and the old habit of eating was you know, still pretty strong. And I not only walked around muttering, delay, don't deny, delay, don't deny, <laughs> you know, but I would put on, I had, you hadn't really started yet, or I hadn't found them yet, but I would listen to the intermittent fasting podcast and I plowed through those sometimes three in a day, um, wanting to hear the material, but also just needing the motivation and the inspiration while I was doing other stuff. And then the Facebook groups for me have been, I mean, they're like having your hand held. In fact, I have to, that's okay. This is a good point to say this. I need to especially thank you because at one point I posted that I had accidentally done my first mealless Monday and you hopped on and said, Neva, how long have you been fasting? And I said, since February, that was in July. And you said, oh, okay, you should be fine. <laughs> and it was such a sense of, wow, they've got my back. I'm not out here on a high wire by myself. It was so comforting and it gave me so much confidence. So thank you. Oh, that's okay. My pleasure. It's really important that message about when people do start not to jump into those really long extended fasts until you actually get your head around the fasting because it, it takes a little while and can take you quite a few weeks. And I really urge people to be patient as well. And we want that message, don't we, Neva, to be patient. I mean, you had that message about the clean fast right from the start, so you didn't need to mess around with dirty fasting and move to clean yep. fasting. But patience is really vital, isn't it? You've got to give this time. Yeah, yeah. It's not a fast fix. And if you get your head around it being a way of life, you know, as we say, then you've got time. I, Yeah, my weight's been falling pretty steadily. I, I got no complaints, but I know it's going to slow down when I get closer to goal. I know that going in and I don't care. It's fine. You know, if it needs tweaking, I'll tweak it. But I have a feeling I'm in a pretty good place as it is. So it, I think that the patience, it's the, having the confidence that it works and that one's body likes it. Yeah, it is. And you just got to give it that time, as I say, and, and it will come. The results will come if you're prepared to put the time in, do that clean fast. And I talk about the window worthy a lot, you know, where I, I try to eat what makes me feel my greatest. And I think that's one message in the intermittent fasting community about you could eat whatever you want. But that sometimes can be misconstrued a little bit. And it's not taken in the context that it should be taken in because if you eat three Hershey bars and four desserts in your window, are you going to lose weight? Yeah, no. And yeah, I mean, I think it gets even, you know, more granular than that. I figured out that if I ate a heavy carb meal, like 
pasta, especially at a restaurant, right? So it has high sodium too, that I could just put three days in my calendar till I'd be going downward again, that it literally took that long for my body to process that and get back to what I wanted to be doing. Yeah, it's just a case of looking at it and going, is that going to serve me? Is it worthy? Am I going to be regretting that later? And, you know, we all go through that process. But I think the longer that you do this, the more you realize you work out those foods that don't serve you well. And, I mean, I don't judge anybody for what they eat, right? You can eat what, what serves you right. You you drink, yep. eat what serves you. But if something isn't helping you or it's not serving you, then you need to work through that. Don't jump on and say intermittent fasting doesn't work because right. you're not giving yourself the best chance to make it work. But, Neva, we're sort of getting towards the tail end of the podcast, but I find you a fascinating person in terms of the mental side of your uh, application to this. And do you think the mental part of IF is probably the biggest part? Yeah, yeah, it is. The, the sense of, oh, my gosh, my body likes this. I can do this. This is the tool I've needed for 50 years, I kid you not, the knowledge and the tool. And having confidence, that's the mindset. It has me, I, I'm almost giddy happy every day just with doing it and feeling how it works and knowing that it's going to continue to work. So that's that's what it is for me. Yeah. And let's say if you were sitting down with a person that just came up to you and said, wow, Neva, you know, or somebody you're selling a house to, and they say, tell me more about this intermittent fasting. How would you tell somebody how to get going and what sort of advice would you give them? So clean fast, please read one of the books, listen to it, something, you know. I refer to Fast Feast Repeat as the how-to manual. I, I think it's extraordinary how she put that together. Jen Stevens. Um, and then I think it's really helpful to tell people after that clean fast, add the good foods. I think that that is super helpful in terms of not feeling deprived, in terms of getting the nutrients that a lot of us for all we ate have really been lacking. And, and then listen to the podcasts and the books for motivation and inspiration and lean on the groups for support and troubleshooting. I, I think that's the key. I think that those will get you going. Yeah, I think that's great advice, Neva. Thank you so much. But Neva, sure thank, thank you so much for joining me today on the Fasting Highway. Thanks so much, Graham. Take care. Yeah, it's been a joy. Thank you. Sure. Oh, congratulations, Neva. Uh, fantastic insights there. Thank you for sharing that. What a start. That's fantastic. And what you've achieved in a short period of time. And I congratulate you too on starting this process during a pandemic. Also starting a new career with your Rialto business. I think that's very commendable to be able to do all that and deal with the stress that the pandemic's caused a lot of people around the world. So well done on that. And I look forward to talking to you in another six months down the track to see where you are with your intermittent fasting journey. 
Also, folks, we talked about there the Fasting Highway Facebook group, uh, fast gaining a reputation around the world as a premier group for intermittent fasting support. Uh, it's non-judgmental. Uh, people can come and share there in a safe place. Uh, everybody's very helpful. So if you want to come and join us, uh, that's the Fasting Highway Facebook group. Uh, if you do want to know a bit more about my own journey, uh, how I got through intermittent fasting and overcame my sugar and fast food addictions, you can read about that in my book, The Fasting Highway. And you'll find that on Amazon, in both paperback and Kindle. Uh, thank you to everybody that has been buying that. It's been tremendous. Thank you. Anyway, until next week, folks, be well, be safe. And remember, clean fasting is everlasting.